Welcome, Susan. I'm excited to have this conversation with you about all things Web3. I know this is kind of your, your backyard and there's so many things we could talk about today. But uh, given that the metaverse is kind of your area of expertise, I think we're definitely going to angle in that direction. Um, maybe we'll kick off the, with a little bit about your background just so folks get to know you a tad. Um, do you want to share a bit more about what you've been up to for the past few years? Yeah, I guess we could start that I started as a foreign exchange trader in at Philip Morris in their international treasury when the banks were first launching the remote trading system. So I'd say that I was geared up for crypto many, many years ago when I didn't realize it. So it's it's interesting. And then I went to Philip Morris. Um, and then I went to, um, apology, somebody just hit my door. Hold on one second. Okay, no worries, I I'm sorry, you guys. Is this okay. live, live? So yeah, hi, it's great to be here. Um, I started my career in Philip Morris in the International Treasury Department where I traded foreign exchange. And it was an exciting time because it was when the first uh, trading systems were being put into corporations to do remote and online trading. So I was prepared for crypto many years ago, way ahead of its time. Um, I then went to uh, PepsiCo and did M&A and did the acquisition of Kentucky Fried Chicken and then decided in favor of silicon chips instead of potato chips and went to Apple Computer following John Scully there and was part of the new products launch team where we launched the first portable computer, um, the um, Newton, which was the first PDA. Uh, and also, uh, we created Knowledge Navigator, which was a concept that really initiated the iPad and Siri many, many years later. From there, I went to another company in Silicon Valley called Compression Labs, which pioneered the digital launch of TV. Um, and I launched DirecTV, as well as uh, the whole paradigm for moving from 30 to 500 channels for pay TV services. So then I went to Europe to a company called SES Astra based in Luxembourg, which works with all of the big European broadcasters to launch the first digital TV services with B Sky B, Canal Plus, Shinovic, MultiChoice, Bertelsmann, all, all over Europe in 22 different countries. Um, and that was really very transformative um, because it really was the first pay TV services that could give you that 500 channel universe as well in Europe. Um, and then from there, I went to Viacom and led their international operations for the first digital TV services in the Middle East and Africa. Uh, we launched MTV and VH1 all over those markets and customized those programs. So that was a really kind of a telling experience for what we're about to do now with thin air. And, and after that, I actually went to the World Cup um, and led their venture fund. Um, and it's interesting because so many years ago, we were launching avatars and um, um, in-game bet, in betting, uh, real-time betting, as well as um, all sorts of um, interactive uh, experiences. And it was way ahead of its time in terms of the technology. We were still on flip phones at the time. And what's interesting and informative about Web3 is you can't launch Web3 without thinking about uh, the telecom operations. So in those eras, we were in web, you know, the mobile was at two, like web, you know, we were at the second G, if you will. And since then we've moved to 3G. So I was working on 3G at Virgin Mobile, the launch of 3G services and media and entertainment. 
And I did that at uh, Nokia for 4G. And at Lionshare, I'm now launching what we call 5G services. So it's a much bigger idea than just Web3. Amazing. Do you want to dig a little bit into you know, the definition of the metaverse? What is it really? And then we can talk a bit about more about the underlying infrastructure of it. But we good to get a definition out of the way. Yeah, I mean, a metaverse right now in the in the way we're using it is a virtual environment or a game environment uh, that is either centralized or decentralized. Mostly it's centralized. And if it's not, it's probably a hybrid. But the idea of Disney or Meta creating these contained new experiences that are literally going to share immersive media in thin air. It's a really a VR experience or a game is a much more immersive environment. There are AR factors, which augmented reality is just where it overlays, you know, objects over the current world. So you can see these virtual objects against your real world perspective. And so I think that these metaverses are going to um, imagine a new environment where people can you know, engage in music and social and and really epic adventures as well. I think they're going to be very much like games. So some of the bigger game companies are really going to move in and some properties like Disney or, or even Sesame Street has the opportunity to kind of really engage and create new virtual environments. That's what this is. And, uh, and what's required to make these virtual environments actually come to life? There's a lot of infrastructure that's needed. And when you talk about mobile, I think that's a big foundational piece needs to be in place for this to actually come to life. Um, what are your thoughts on that, especially tying it back to your background in all things mobile? Yeah, I mean, there are 400 carriers around the world, telecom operators, updating their infrastructure to be able to handle 5G edge services. And these services will all intersect with clouds and microservices that can power these new types of apps down to the handset. And I think that if you think about being able to move from a centralized like client server architecture that's been traditional for us until now, the idea of moving that whole system to a much more decentralized peer-to-peer system, that means a lot of infrastructure has to change. And, and, and uh, that means everything from CDNs or, or the way in which uh, content is managed all the way down to the end user. So we see a lot of excitement to empower the open metaverse uh, with some of the things that we're doing at Lionshare and the ThinAir uh, platform. So microservices are a very interesting part of this that can allow, with the use of AI, can allow you to kind of target content on a very personalized basis and a very dynamic and real-time basis as well. So a lot of today's apps and services don't use those type of uh, technologies um, as much as we're going to be able to push them out to do immersive and more targeted media in the future. Incredible. And uh, and when you observe kind of this space and how it's progressing, um, where do you see some of the more interesting, bigger opportunities and and who who do you think is capturing them? Well, I mean, I'd like to just say that from my perspective, we're building this new environment that's what I would refer to as a collective reality metaverse. And the reason why I call it that is because we want to enable people, uh, real people to connect as well. So the idea of live and real-time streaming on a global level, if you are going to, you can stream somebody into a virtual environment in a metaverse, which has been done by Fortnite and other sort of metaverses, and there's going to be a lot of action on that. But for us, I think connecting live venues to live fans all over the world in a real-time basis, sort of like Twitch on steroids, 
um, the idea of having integrated triple chat, so video conferencing and live messaging in sync parties that go from one experience to the other together, um, there's some really new innovations that allow people to connect in the real world. And I think that's going to be a key focus. I think also the technology is easier because you don't need a headset and you don't need goggles and it's more widely available. There's a big shift for 4K to 8K, you know, kind of video, really 4K is in everyone's phones. And so what people can do is shoot this content. The issue is how do you share that in a more immersive way? And so we're building these um, project apps that are going to allow, they're like a new Web3 digital media asset that'll allow you to load your content and create more immersive experiences with gestures, with like moving in and out of the app in a spatial way or connecting with where you are, like say you can see a big version of a, uh, a performing artist in Times Square, right? So that's, it's going to connect in the real world, um, you know, and give you new types of immersive and wonderful experiences. Amazing. And, uh, and then tying this back to all things ESG, how do those two interlate? I'm sorry? How does, how does ESG um, come into oh. all of this? You know, I have a view of um, where do you go to get the latest information on the environment? Mostly it's today's internet and you're searching and a lot of people get it on social media. But the idea is that there's all sorts of clusters of projects and scientists and data, um, you know, analysts. There is so much information that's going on in different pockets of the world. And what I'd like to see is our platform empower this global community to share that content and to be able to show visualizations that are really tracking uh, on a continuous basis what's happening in different projects whether it's Iceland or you know in in the Caribbean to look at the coral reefs or looking at like Antarctica so there are a lot of projects that need to be integrated also I like the idea of having the ability to have live, global sessions with people who are environmentally conscious to try to initiate solutions in those kind of more interactive frameworks. So it gives the community an opportunity in a secure way and in a way where it can be much more trusted in terms of the content to allow people to share this information. And uh, when you think of the people that are actually running some of these projects, whether that be ESG focused ones or um, just metaverse in general, um, where do women come uh, come up in that whole mix. I know this very tech is often a very male dominated industry, but I do see some women doing incredible things um, within yeah. this space. Is that any is there any skew towards women or any any kind of uh, wind in our backs that we're getting thanks to the metaverse or or how are things developing on that front? I mean, I think it's a bigger issue than the metaverse, right? It, it's really yeah. metaverse and real life. So um, yeah. I think um, it's all going to connect, right? And I think that creating new economies, this play to earn technology and sharing um, content and really being rewarded for it gives a new economy to creators and women all over the world. I think the most profound move with women is that with blockchain is that it is a female technology in a sense. It has the value propositions of you know, collaboration, community, transparency, trust, um, decentralization, uh, immutability. There are, you know, when we, I joined Global Women in Blockchain about four years ago, I think that everyone was very passionate about blockchain 
for its transformational values, but it's also because it, we really connected with this new technology and for the change it could bring. So that's I, I'm really um, excited about a lot of the new DAOs that are centered on women and helping other women on board. There's one called Meta Gamma Delta, um, oh, wow. like sort of the sorority of the metaverse. Um, and I think that they are growing very quickly and very passionate about Web3. But I also think that there's been a, a number of NFTs that create DAO communities also of women that are, um, you know, NFT-centric women empowerment videos, uh, you know, not only videos, but like media and NFTs to get people engaged in, in solving uh, problems and being involved, both in art, activism. I'm involved with a project called the V Society, which is uh, a new one that will be dropping shortly. And it is really about women's rights and rights to everything, their body, their health, their, you know, economics. It's really a cool project. Amazing. I think we're, we're slowly inching up against the, the 20 minute mark there, right, right on the minute. Um, any closing thoughts or ideas you want to share with folks uh, on the call today, Susan? You know, I just think that standby because Thin Air is going to be launching um, shortly. We're going to be launching in the summer. Um, and our goal is to really give the creator community new digital tools and new rules. Amazing. Perfect. Beautiful. Thanks so much, Susan. Thanks. Thanks.